Hey folks, and welcome to the Musculoskeletal Minute podcast by basicsoforthodontics.com. We aim to boost your musculoskeletal knowledge and increase your confidence in caring for orthopedic conditions through educational and informative discussion. I'm your host and longtime physician assistant in orthopedics, Jason Coggins. Hey, and welcome back, orthopedic enthusiasts. The last couple of episodes of the Musculoskeletal Minute, we've talked about a couple of very common things that we see in orthopedics, um, as well as primary care and urgent care for that matter, and specifically evaluating them um, and special tests for them. We talked about the ACL and we talked about the rotator cuff. Well, I've really enjoyed that, so I'm going to pick up today with talking about another condition that is extremely common across many specialties, and that is the infamous carpal tunnel syndrome. So the first thing I want to do is start with a little bit of uh, refresher uh, anatomy and pathophysiology of the carpal tunnel. So carpal tunnel is at the base of the hand on the palmar side. And it's, it's, a, it's a tunnel or a U-shaped tunnel that's made up of the carpal bones. And through that tunnel, you've got several flexor tendons and one nerve, that nerve being the median nerve that runs through it. Well, if that was the only part of the anatomy, carpal tunnel syndrome really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But the issue comes about because those tendons and that nerve are confined in that tunnel by the transverse carpal ligament, which goes across the top of that tunnel. And over time, that complex uh, can chronically put pressure on that median nerve. And that can manifest in time with symptoms of burning, pain, numbness, tingling. Uh, Those, I would say, at least in my practice, are the main symptoms that patients come in with. Uh, And the distribution of that median nerve or or those symptoms would be along the palmar aspect of the hand and the thumb index middle fingers, and sometimes that radial side of the ring finger. Now, the most common patient, uh, or the way that these patients most commonly present to me will be early on, and they complain of experiencing symptoms at night. So they're asleep, and they wake up in the middle of the night, and they say their hand is numb. And having experienced this myself, it actually is pretty difficult to differentiate which fingers it is. It does feel like the whole hand. Uh, but they'll typically say that you know they'll wake up, they'll move it around, uh, it gets better, the symptoms go away, and they go back to sleep. And sometimes they wake up with it again later on, other times they don't. If it goes on, then folks will start experiencing some of these symptoms during the day, and in particular do inserting certain activities or um, and two of the most most common activities that I hear uh, one is driving so patients got their hand gripped around the steering wheel usually the wrist is flexed a little bit and they say if they drive for any length of time their hand goes numb the other is holding the phone so patients that spend a lot of time on the phone particularly cell phones uh, between the gripping motion and the position of the wrist putting pressure on that carpal tunnel, they start to experience symptoms with that. So patients that come in complaining of hand pain, hand numbness, hand tingling, uh, hand burning, 
then carpal tunnel syndrome should be in the top uh, tier of your differential diagnosis, if not the top diag potential diagnosis on that differential list. Uh, whether they state it's the whole hand or just the median nerve distribution. So how can we further strengthen our suspected differential diagnosis of carpal tunnel syndrome? Well, special testing. And with any special test, you're trying to recreate the problem, whether that's testing a ligament, whether that's testing a muscle or tendon. Um, but in this case, we're trying to uh, elicit pressure on a nerve that causes the, or recreates the patient's symptoms, whether they be uh, burning, numbness, tingling, pain. Now, there's three classic tests, the first being the Tunnels test. And, and Tunnels isn't a test that is specific to carpal tunnel syndrome. A Tunnel test is simply tapping over a nerve. And, and that can be over the carpal tunnel, that can be over the cubital tunnel for cubital tunnel syndrome, uh, at the elbow, or that could be over the um, uh, perineal nerve uh, in the lower extremity, that can be over the sural nerve, any nerve. Um, and then the second test is Phelan's test. And then the final test uh, I'll talk about is Durkin's, um, as well as kind of a fourth test, a modified Durkin's or carpal tunnel compression test. So starting with Tunnels, that's one that most people have heard of. That's one that's taught most frequently. And simply Tunnels is tapping over the carpal tunnel, whether it be with um, your index and middle fingers as a rigid hammer or a reflex hammer itself. But where do you tap? Where do you tap? Over the carpal tunnel. I know I said that, but where exactly is that? So if you look at the palm of your hand right now, in between your hypothenar and your thenar eminence, is the distal portion of the carpal tunnel and approximately that carpal tunnel will extend to around the flexor crease of the wrist so tapping in that general area um, again that can be done with your fingers or a reflex hammer if that elicits the patient's complaint or symptoms then that's a positive test the next test that i mentioned was phalen's and what phalen's test is is where you have the patient place the dorsal side of their hands or the back side of their hands against each other, their fingers pointed to the floor, and you have them raise their wrists towards their chin. So you keep those wrists maximally uh, flexed or actually hyperflexed. And the patient holds that position for anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. And if the patient's symptoms are recreated in that position, then that's a positive test for probable carpal tunnel syndrome. And I say probable because um, EMG is the diagnosis. That's how you get it. The third test is Durkin's. And again, we go to that carpal tunnel where we were tapping for Tunnell's test. But instead of tapping, Durkin's test involves taking your thumbs and firmly pressing in that carpal tunnel for the 30 to 60 seconds. And again, we're looking for recreation of their symptoms, pain, numbness, tingling in that median nerve distribution. Now, that essentially is carpal tunnel compression, but uh, the carpal tunnel compression test that I was taught um, is a little bit different in that it's kind of a combination of the Durkins and Phelan's where uh, I'll grab the patient's hand uh, with both of my hands from the backside, uh, 
and I'll place my four fingers in that carpal tunnel and I'll press with all of my fingers uh, in the tunnel and I will passively uh, hyperflex that wrist and I'll hold that position for 30 to 60 seconds to see if that uh, causes uh, the patient's symptoms to be recreated. Again, if that does, that's a positive test. So of these tests, is there a better one? Is there one that is more sensitive or specific than the others? Well, the order that I kind of went through them actually is the order of which one uh, works best from least to best. Um, so Tonell's is less sensitive, is less specific than Phelan's. Phelan's is less sensitive than Durkin's. Um, and I don't have any data on my version of the carpal tunnel compression test or the one that I was taught uh, from a previous uh, supervising physician. Uh, but Durkin's is uh, more sensitive and specific than Phelan's. Now, if you've got a history that's very suspicious and your Tonell's is negative, then do Phelan's. If your Phelan's is negative, then do Durkin's. Or you can just do Durkin's from the start. I generally will not do all three unless I'm getting negative um, feedback or negative results from one that I really think should be positive or from a history that I really think is carpal tunnel syndrome. And uh, I'll use that test again to strengthen my suspected diagnosis. If that's a positive test, then I initiate treatment with, uh, for uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, what my typical, I guess you could call it an algorithm is, is you know, if it's uh, early on, if it hasn't been going on very long, if their symptoms are just at night or in just certain situations, not very frequent, then treatment with uh, Velcro wrist brace, cock-up wrist brace at night uh, can keep them out of positions that impinge on that carpal tunnel or that median nerve. So that can help ease off any inflammation around the nerve. Uh, NSAIDs are kind of hit or miss. There has been some data that shows that vitamin B6 may be helpful. Um, there's really very little downside to at least attempting that. I do ask the patient if they take a multivitamin. So after about a trial of six to eight weeks of conservative treatment with the brace and maybe some NSAIDs and vitamin B6, if they haven't experienced any significant improvement, then that's when I talk to them either about a cortisone injection in the carpal tunnel or... Um, going ahead and proceeding with the getting the diagnosis um, more nailed down with EMG and nerve conduction studies and then talking with one of my surgeons uh, about carpal tunnel release. So that wraps up my review of carpal tunnel syndrome, the anatomy, the pathophysiology, and really the the, the main topic uh, today, the special test of the physical exam for carpal tunnel syndrome, and is there a best one? So before I sign off, I do want to say that I really wanted to focus on the special test for carpal tunnel syndrome today. That is not the complete exam. You always want to make sure that you do a thorough sensory exam, uh, specifically uh, sharp and dull sensation and two-point two discrimination. You want to make sure you evaluate that thenar eminence if it's long-standing carpal tunnel syndrome. There could be some atrophy there. And... You also want to make sure you do a good uh, strength assessment. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this because I've thoroughly enjoyed making it. And I look forward to putting the next one together for you.
If you have found value through this podcast, I ask that you please hit that subscribe button and please leave me a comment to let me know what you think of it. If you have questions or comments or would just simply like to get in touch, you can do so through the website basicsofortho.com or you can email me at jason at basicsofortho.com. Thanks again.